0: Every time you feel an emotion, that's difficult to feel. And maybe you're only processing a little bit more than last time, but you feel it. And then you, you, know, you do the self-care rituals that you've established. That is the healing. That's where the gold is. That's how you know you're, you're making the transformation. The transformation isn't the weight loss. I and mean, we talk about numbers because that's how people internalize it. But the transformation is the work. It's about changing our relationship to the things that we're experiencing as opposed to thinking it's just going to be a straight line. Nothing's a straight line. The stock market's not a straight line. Our bodies are not a straight line. Then you make a little progress. You may have a little setback and make a little progress and then you just continue to go at it. But as long as you stay committed to it, it's there and it's available to anybody who decides that this is what they want. Hi friends and welcome to the Feeling Full podcast. I'm Mordecai, an entrepreneur and coach who struggled with being overweight for nearly two decades. But since 2012, I've lost 130 pounds and have kept it off. Join me and my guest today to discover how it's possible and even simple to lose weight with ease, without dieting, without intense workouts. If you're ready to give up quick fixes and fad diets and build a fulfilling relationship with your body and food, then this show is for you. Today, our guest is my friend, Charles Chen. Charles was born in Taiwan and shares what it was like growing up as a skinny kid. Getting bullied and teased, he felt deep shame about his body. When his family abruptly picked up and moved to United States, things got worse for Charles. His family didn't have much money, and he shares what it was like the first time to eat a McDonald's hamburger. Eventually, he got on the all American diet using food to make him feel invisible, and he gained lots of weight. Things started to change for Charles when he learned how to gamify his mind and make small changes. He became a chef and said that cooking helped him express himself and what he was feeling. He eventually lost 100 pounds, and his life completely changed. Charles is the founder of the Zeal Health community and is on a mission to inspire people and pay it forward. You can find Charles as a regular on The Dr. Oz Show, Food Network, Netflix, ABC, NBC, and more. Thanks for joining, and let's jump right in. All right, Charles, thanks for joining today. It's really great to have you here.
1: Oh, dude, I'm so excited. We've been talking about this for so long, so I'm so glad we made it happen.
0: I know, I know, finally. I want to start with a quick few questions, rapid fire, just to kind of get some things out for the people listening, all right? So What's your one daily non negotiable healthy habit? A shower
1: every <laughs> single day.
0: No, 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 no. This it sounds weird,
1: but like I realized I was going to say walk, but it's not true. Cause sometimes if it's raining, I don't go for a walk. But religiously, I have made it part of my ritual of like self care. And this sounds crazy. A lot of people know that I swim, Mordecai. I swim like first thing in the morning. Before I even get into the pool, I have to take a shower. And people think that's weird. But for me, it's an act of waking up and nourishing, touching my body, brushing my teeth. And I do my affirmations right when I get out of my shower. So it's like, it's an act of self-love. So I definitely feel like that's my first thing.
0: How long have you been doing that for?
1: I mean, I've been showering for a while. but (laughs) 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 But I mean, as far as, Doing it intentionally. With the affirmations,
0: you know, with the whole morning ritual.
1: I think consistently the last two years, because I didn't realize it was part of my process until I started sharing it with some of my friends. And I was like, don't you guys? And I, I also have a nighttime. So like the way that I get into my groove in the morning, I take my showers. At nighttime, I take a bath. And, like, Ooh. I massage my feet. I, like, say thank you. Thank you for every cell in my body. Like, thank you for allowing me to navigate throughout this vehicle and, like, to share my gifts and my my service like, yeah, through man. this That's body. Awesome. That's awesome. There's a lot of times, like, people just go, go, go. And especially we're in this, like, day and age, I'm sure… You're like listening to the David Goggins and yeah, part of it is true. It's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Go, go, go. And then it's like, when was the last time you just nurtured and just said thank you to your body for all the shit you put them through? You know, like it's like, when was the last time? So I think I'm a Libra, so I'm all about balance. So I think about, okay, yeah, there's a time to push. There's also a time to just chill.
0: Yeah, I love how you double down on the self-care. Always love that about you. All right. The second question is, what is your go-to comfort food? I mean, this is not
1: even like comfort, but I guess it's off my regular regimen. Erwan does these like buffalo cauliflower, and they're like, I know them. They're yeah, so good. I mean, that's it's not even a guilt trip, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I take the guilt out of it. But if I want to splurge, I definitely like let's go for it.
0: Love, I love a good one. That cauliflower, that buffalo cauliflower is buffalo cauliflower, right? Is that what it is? Yep however yep, know yeah all right the third question is what do you appreciate most about your body today
1: the ability that it has to be able to adapt i just feel like i'm an athlete i like to train like an athlete and some days when i'm feeling like i want to nourish and nurture my body i'm just i go light but like something that i've been practicing is like so taking my two hands something that I do every single day is like over your belly button and also on top of your heart and just like touching yourself and just be like, thank you. I don't know. It's getting back into like your gut brain connection. For me, it's like a very intuitive process of just like acknowledging your body and just touching it. It's like giving yourself like a Reiki session, you know, especially during this time we're not, Touching a lot of people, you know, physical touch is like a very healing modality, and I think it's very important. I'm a big hugger. You know, every time I see you, I'm like, give me a hug. I'm not a handshaker, especially if I meet someone. I just feel like just going for the hug.
0: That's also been, also a California it, thing, I think, a little bit. Is it? I well, know, yeah, definitely, I cal- definitely I more, definitely more than you know, other places. I think.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, in East coast they're like, get the fuck out of my space, <laughs> 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 especially if <laughs> you're. Middle-
0: get, or all the country, it's like you know, yeah, it's like handshakes. Open. Yeah, that's all. No, I know. I love that about. It. I'm, I'm like you. You know, I, I love, I love a good hug, and that's one thing definitely during this pandemic that I'm seriously missing is that those, those big hugs. Yeah. You know, yeah. Totally feel you on that. But going back to the touch, you can do. Right. It's not
1: the same, but it's like a level of just like intimacy for yourself to be like, hey, I feel you. I'm here with you, and thank you. And mm. it's kind of nice.
0: I love that. That's like some great answers right there. All right. Let's jump right back to the beginning. Right. If I saw you at your dinner table growing up, what am I looking at?
1: Growing up, like how old am I right now?
0: I don't know. What what's the first image that came to mind?
1: Uh, the little kid, like seven year old in Taiwan before I moved to America, like skinny, scrawny next to my grandma at the dinner table and being teased for being too skinny. Hmm. That was a reality once. So in Asia, we eat at, I think it's called like a lazy Susan. It's like the centerpiece of every dinner table is like this round centerpiece. And like we would put all the dishes at the edges and you would roll the table. And so everyone would get some of their favorite dishes. But my grandma would always be next to me and always trying to like fill my plate with lots of food. And that was her... That was her way of showing love, you know? She wasn't the most talkative. She wasn't the nicest. She was a boss and she was very like, always called the shots. But her way of like showing love is just eat.
0: So this is when you were seven years old and what were, what were you making that mean when she would do that and try to get you to eat more?
1: There was just like the sense of guilt because there would be like, there would be like a blame game of like, talking to my mom, like my grandma would like, I remember these like emotions, like she would be like, why is your son so skinny? Like, you know, kind of, cause it's like being well-fed is like being nourished and like you taking care of your family. So then like the blame would always be on my mom. Like, why is your son so skinny? Like, what are you not feeding him? Like, you know, so it would always be like, eat more. So yeah. So there's already a level of like, that's, and that's the Asian that's the Asian upbringing. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. That's how a lot of motivation is created: is through shame and guilt.
0: What happened during that time between that age, around seven years old, to where you found yourself a hundred pounds heavier than you wanted to be?
1: So I remember everything happened so fast. So like, yeah, just at that moment where I can see in my head me having dinner with my grandma, and then. Me packing my bags, my mom and dad saying, like, we're moving, we need to go and like say your goodbyes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are we leaving? Like, you know? And it was like leaving everything you knew to something that you had no idea and then getting dropped off, getting picked up at the airport with this new family. I'm like, who are these people? Like, why they look differently? And what, you know, like, why are the roads so big here? I remember getting off the airplane, just like, what, where? what are we doing, you know? And we ended up staying at my mom's close friend's house because we couldn't afford our own house at the time. And this is my upbringing into America. And like literally living at someone's house, we didn't even have our own apartment yet and learning a new language because they didn't understand anything that I was saying because their Chinese was horrible and they were like so Americanized. And I was like, what are we doing here? You know, and like just navigating like a new beginning. And I think it was because my parents wanted a new start. There was something that went on with the family business and it like, it just like disconnected our families and we needed a new start. So we came to America as like a new start for the kids and everyone. So it's me and, you know, me putting on that weight was really just finding my identity. Like, where do I fit in? Like, I don't speak the language I'm Asian. Like where, like all these, like people that don't look like me that don't understand me. And then I'm also like dealing with my own inner, like self-worth identity. And like, also like being queer, like what hiding that, you know? So it's like, there was a lot of emotions in my parents navigating a divorce financial worries and i'm just like what are we doing like it was just a lot of emotions i was just like i don't understand and at the time i went to an after school program and my mom was working you know she's a single mother working my parents are like their relationships are struggling my dad wanted to go back to taiwan to try to make some money because he couldn't speak the language here and so it was just like I got allowance money and there was a McDonald's. So I ate my feelings. That was how I dealt with everything. And I mean, coming here as a skinny kid, I got addicted to junk food. I never ate that much junk food in my life. I was drinking like orange soda, like ice cream every day, trying to find my identity like to fit in. But I was bullied all the time. So it's like, on top of that, new environment, and then you're getting bullied, you don't speak the language, you don't know where you belong, nobody understands you. The only thing that I was able to do is just eat. And that was my comfort and safe place.
0: So it sounds like you know, like a lot of a lot of people in America today, we use food to comfort. And it sounds like you just became Americanized right away. You just joined joined and everyone was was like socially acceptable to just, you know, eat McDonald's, drink, you know, soda and everything else. And you just kind of jumped on that bandwagon as if that was like a normal that you were just becoming Americanized. What do you say that is accurate?
1: Yeah. So like I didn't really have a choice. It was like almost like what was the most convenient, right? So like right. everything is so spread out in Asia. Keep in mind, everything is like accessible. You can walk down the street, you can go to a bakery, you can get all the food. And For once in my life, everything, like you had to drive everywhere. So then, like, my parents at the time when we first moved didn't have a car yet. So, this family that was taking care of us would drive us to like the Arby's to fast food joints and have all the kids get fed at the same time. So, it was like, it was like, if you're gonna, if you're hungry, this is what you're gonna eat. There was like no, you know, they didn't, yeah, they didn't really cook. They were just trying to like make sure that we were fed. So I just associated, I was like, okay. And I think I remember there was a moment of like, I'm not used to this food. And she was trying to like, do you like it? And I remember getting my first hamburger. I'm just like, what is this? Like,
0: <laughs> is this is this food. So was there a rock bottom moment where you realized that you came here as a skinny kid and now you're overweight, not feeling great in your body? Well, that was like
1: years later. So like, it was like incrementally every year, just started getting chubbier, chubbier, and then dealing with more bullying, dealing with more, trying to fit in, and then really like getting into like finishing elementary school and people started to date. And I'm like, whoa, like people are dating. And like, what is this emotion I feel within? Like, why am I attracted to whatever? So it's like me hiding. A lot of it is hiding. And subconsciously, food was just a way for me to to feel invisible. If I were to put enough weight on, nobody would look at me as a sexual object and would never question if I was dating because I was just fat and I was overweight. And that was my way of hiding. So it was, again, a safe place. I just wanted to hide. So I just used food. But yeah, I started gaining more and more weight and started getting more and more sluggish. And it's almost like it became a norm because it takes time for people around you to see you a certain way. And just so like, oh, this is life. You know, I definitely just started getting into a haze of like, is this all life has to offer? Like what my relationships weren't the most fulfilling. My friends were kind of dating. So it's like, I was just like, what else is there to life? I'm just so like, I was just eat.
0: So what's the first thing you did when you, when you had this realization, is that, would you say that was your rock bottom moment when you one day realized that this can't be all?
1: I think the rock bottom moment was like sitting in front of a couch, watching TV, and then just having like this epiphany of like, also at the time I was having like panic attacks. I was waking up in the middle of the night, not being able to breathe. And I would tell my mom, like, I can't breathe. I need to go to the doctor. Like my heart, I can't breathe, you know? And I remember her taking me to the doctor and we got all these tests done and he was just like, you just need to lose some weight. Like that's what he said. Wow! <laughs>
0: and how old are you at this point? I was
1: young. I was like, I was probably like 13. Like it was like right teenage year. It was like the most awkward. Yeah. I would go to the doctor and then they were like, oh, you're fine. You just need to like lose some weight. And then I think. Sitting in front of the couch, that's when I started like putting correlation of like, oh, I can die if I don't take care of myself. And I think that's when I was like, holy shit, this is real. This is my reality now. I need to do something about it. And I don't know. I had all these like goals and ambition, but like when you're not in a good, healthy mindset space, like those things feel so far away. It's like you can't even dream the big dream because you're like stuck in this reality that doesn't align and doesn't make sense. So you're just kind of like in this like fat suit of like get me out of here. That's how I felt like get me out of here like this is not what I want. And I know that I was grumpy, I had mood swings because you know it was all like based around how I felt. I was just like lethargic and I wasn't like the nicest person. And I was getting bullied so I was started like bullying other kids to protect myself, you know?
0: can't imagine you not being a nice person, but... I know. Footnote. Took took years,
1: yeah. (laughs) Took years. (laughs) But this is the thing. You know what that taught me, Moorakai? And I'm sure you had the same experience. It's like, when you've been in a different body and in a different version of yourself, it just gives you more empathy. The way that I navigate and experience other people now, I know that that's not their... That's not where there always will be. So leaving room for them to grow because I know that if I'm not living my best life, feeling my best, obviously I'm not going to show up as the best version of myself. I can only show up to the extent that I can. So I think it helps me be more forgiving. Not just to say that abuse is like, okay, but I'm just saying that it helps me understand that like, if someone's being an asshole, really, it's just like internally, they're they're struggling, they're fighting themselves, you know? And I think less judgment, more compassion.
0: 100%, 100%. So you realize at 13, that there's a chance if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to die. Now, I think, you know, a lot of people have heard from their doctors saying that if they don't lose weight, you know, there's diabetes or there's health concerns down the line. And I think it's a very typical thing when someone's overweight and goes to the doctor but it sounds like in your case you did something about it and i guess what were the next steps for you so you heard this from your doctor you're 13 years old you're here in america and then you're like you go home you're watching tv and then what happens
1: so like my family does have prediabetes like my grandma had it there's multiple people there's a lot of health problems in our family there's like a lot of liver stuff i have a lot of uncles pass away early on prematurely and so i knew that it was in our family history and At the time, I told you I was just like after school, I would go home, I would eat, my mom would be working, and I would just like stuff my face and watch TV. And at the time, I remember I watched a lot of Oprah and a lot of Oprah and a lot of food network. I would watch Emerald Dagazi like make food and he had a live audience. And I was just remember watching him. I was like, Oh, he's so entertaining and he's he makes he brings people's like smiles like through his work. That's so cool. Like that must feel so good to do that, you know. But he inspired me, even though he wasn't cooking the healthiest, to start cooking because at the time my mom was working full-time, and after school, it's just us. So if you're hungry, it was just like we didn't have a car, so it's not you can buy anything. So I had to learn how to cook. My aunt lived with us, and she was kind of like caretaking us while my and she was also a single mother, so she moved in with us to take care of us, but she would always cook. And have food like ready for us by the time I got home from school. And one day, I think I just like wanted to learn. So I started like learning how to cook from her. And I was like, teach me. Like, you know, I was bored. I was like, here, teach me. And so she started teaching me. And then I started going to the supermarket with her to run errands, like, cause she couldn't lift all the heavy stuff. And I'll be like, I'll help you. And that was, the opening of me experimenting and exploring how to cook my own food and how to make it healthier and not feel lethargic. And I started recognizing the correlation between food and well-being and feeling good. I was like, well, at this point, I was just eating junk food. That's why I feel like I have food coma all the time. And I feel like shit, like had acne and like just diarrhea all the time because I was probably eating the wrong foods and I probably was lactose, but I didn't have the connection to be like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be drinking this much milk.
0: That's amazing that you had this awareness when you were only what 13, 14 years old. Is that when you were 13 or 14 or that?
1: Yeah. But here's the thing though like even though my mom was working, like she was a single mother, she was working, but she was so like we I grew up in a very spiritual and like buddhist upbringing and i think spirituality and buddhism helped my mom so much through the darkest moments of her life like struggling with my dad's divorce and like my dad cheating on her she leaned towards like going to the temple and starting to practice meditation so at a young age even though like it was just like ingrained us in us like my mom the way that she nurtured us and like taught us was if you were to do something wrong she would be like go like sit there and meditate and then you tell me what you did wrong so there was always this like instilling self awareness and reflection so yes like when you say reflection i don't even think twice because it was so ingrained in my upbringing to to be like what did you do wrong like think about what you did and you tell me i'm not going to
0: you know that's amazing so you are you, it sounds like your mom helped you cultivate the self-awareness to understand what was going on for yourself, how the food was impacting you. And then, you know, you, you got the experience cooking and that kind of kicked things off for you. It's interesting to hear because, you know, for me, like the thing that's helped me stay on track all these years with the weight loss is actually simplifying my food. And I think a lot of people find comfort in like, all right, these are the foods that I'm going to eat. And I'm I'm usually not going to veer off that. And that's what keeps me knowing that I'm going to be on track. Right. And with you know, with you being a chef now and and having that experience when you're even younger, it sounds like you went inwards and you started making these foods that more complex, not just, you know.
1: More complex, but also it was an outlet for me to express myself. So imagine like kid stuck with no creative expression. Linguistics was wasn't my best way of of sharing and expressing myself. So here was this world of creativity where I can create something tangible and my energy is transferred to that and then like when I share my creations someone can receive it and that to me was fascinating. And I do this now with other areas of my life. I love creating is because for someone to experience something that you've created whether it's a live experience, a product, a service, to me, it's alchemy. It's beautiful. It's my way of expressing myself, right? So I remember baking a cake for my aunt and she passed away. And I watched her go through breast cancer and she was like a boss bitch before. And then to watch someone, to witness going back to compassion and seeing people in different stages in their life, to see this like boss bitch boss lady like who ran shit to like losing all her hair to being bald to being in this like vulnerable state and walking with her at the park in Taiwan on her last days and she like sat me down and she was like could barely speak in a very soft-spoken voice and literally was like and this goes back to the quote that I love so much it's like Maya Angelou, like people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. She was like, and it brings like tears and it brings like getting chills. Just thinking about this. She, I remember walking with her and she was so like weak and had no hair, but like I still saw the inner strength within her to push through. And she was like, I remember when you baked me a cake and I forgot, I forgot. And she, that's the only, she's like, She's like, I always knew like the way you made me feel when you baked me that cake. And it was just a simple act. It, it literally could have been like a bake mix, you know? Right. But the fact that she remembered the cake was like, wow, that's powerful, you know? And I think it always connected with me because like, I always think about like, it's not just about like what we do, but it's like, how do we make people feel seen and feel like they belong? And I think everything that I do in my life is, part of that extension. And that's just a story of how powerful I found food was. And that's why like, like an artist creates on a canvas, like a plate was my canvas and my storytelling because I couldn't share all my emotions or put it into words, but I can share that experience and someone can taste it and be like, Whoa, what was that? Like, you know, Mm -hmm.
0: so thanks for sharing that story. She sounds like a special woman.
1: Yeah, she's always with me. Like, I feel her presence with me. Like, you know, when they say, like, you step into every room, I feel protected, I feel guided. Like, she's never anyone that you've ever lost. Like, they're always with you. They're always around. They're always like, they're angels. Like, they may not be in physical form. And I think this ties back to like, we're human beings having a, like, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So, regardless of this form, which so many times people get so caught up in this dimension is just to house these souls 100%. and like how, yeah. And I think it's important to nurture, as I said, through self-care, but not become so attached. And sometimes the attachment gets in the way of the expression and the connection. Yeah, And when that gets in the way, I'm sure you have this experience too. I think we talked about this when we went biking in New York. When you've been in different bodies, but the essence of who you are remains the same, you're less judgmental. Like you see, like when you date, when you meet people, I want to know who you are. Like not your form because the form can change, but like what is the essence? And like, if I close my eyes, just listen to you speak and like, what resonates and like does it feel like it's aligned? Is it authentic? And for me, like I think I just attraction, it takes attraction to a whole nother thing. Of like when I'm thinking about my partner, it's like, how do I feel? And I yeah. think I tap into that to attract my partner. Is like, do you feel seen? Do you feel safe? Someone asked me, like, about attracting love and relationships and I was just tapping into like, how do you feel? How does your partner make you feel? You know, like everyone wants to have these like physical attributes. Like I want him to be six too. And like, he needs to have black hair. Like, I'm like, go to like the real thing of like, how does this person make you feel? Do you feel seen? Do you feel protected? Do you feel safe? Do you feel nourished? Do you feel stimulated? You know? And I think that's more important than all this stuff.
0: Yeah. You know how I agree with you. So I know now that you're, you're an incredible chef and you cook for you know all, all, lots of amazing people. So tell me what happened between then? How did you lose the 100 pounds? What was your mindset? So
1: having that light bulb switch of like, okay, something needs to change. I started cooking. And then naturally, when I started eating less processed foods and more whole fruits and vegetables and getting into this act of like creation, It started bringing joy. It's like finding a light. And I started just taking little actionable steps. Like I couldn't run in my neighborhood. So I would just go for walks. It became a ritual. My mom would come home from work. I would try to cook and bring something, you know, make something for everyone to eat. And that was my way of sharing love, even though I couldn't contribute because I wasn't working a job. I was like, well, if I can take that burden off of her and like make her life a little easier by, bringing food on the table and like, that's my way of service. And so we would go for our nighttime walks and we'd go for walks. I call them like walk and talks. And like, that was just time of me and my mom connecting. And again, going back to relationships and showing up fully, I was able to share with her and be vulnerable, but like through walking, then we signed up for a gym. Like my mom signed us up for a, a family gym. And I started swimming, and I remember getting on the treadmill the first time. And there was like a mirror in front of the treadmill. I would just walk on the treadmill. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to run. I was just like, okay, set a small goal: ten minutes on the treadmill, and then ten minutes became fifteen, and then like, okay, maybe I can run for five minutes, and then I'll walk for the whole ten. So just like started like to gamify it, and I think. It helps when you set little goals and you like gamify things, it makes it attainable.
0: Totally. hundred percent. And I think that's such a key thing. And I want to highlight that because so many people struggle with their weight and they want instant results. They want an instant thing. They decide they have that rock bottom moment on the couch or the doctor. And then like, all right, I need to lose 50 or hundred pounds. And I want to lose it in a month or two or three. And I think that what you're saying is you took really small actions.
1: And you know, small actions build self-confidence. Someone asked me one time, how do you define self-confidence? Self-confidence to me is having an agreement with yourself. You literally sign an agreement. You say, I'm going to do this. Even if it's, I'm just going to walk for five minutes every single day. It could be the smallest task. But you make that agreement with yourself. And you sign it, and every single day, you walk for five minutes. If it's raining, if it's snowing, you did your five minutes. And literally, there's a sense of fulfillment of like, you know what? I said what I was going to do, and I did it. And that builds self-confidence. So to me, it's like setting those little incremental goals for yourself. And just showing up regardless of outside circumstance, that has what created self-esteem for me is like, hey, I said I was going to do this, and I did it. I showed up, and as I continued to keep evolving, those incremental goals became bigger because I was able to experience, wow, this is possible. What else is possible? So leading with curiosity of like, well, if I can do ten minutes. Maybe I could do 20, you know, but I was always very mindful. Let's start with 15 and then we can push to 20. And that's the thing, that's the key and it if weight loss has taught me anything, it's taught me patience. You're not going to get there overnight, but if you consistently show up every single day, you'll create some progress.
0: It's incredible hearing you say that just because I know like, you know, one how important health is to you. And I mean, I mean, you're athlete, you're swimming now. I mean, I don't even know how, how long you swimming now for. The last time I spoke to you, was like an hour in the mornings?
1: About an hour. Yeah, it's been fun. It's one of the toughest sports. And I think that's what draws me to it. It's so weird, these mental toughness games. And for me, I gamify it, right? And now like being in a different medium at a startup and building a business, I apply any of that. Anyone who's been through any personal transformation to have the mental grit and to have a vision of where you see something to happen and to put in those daily tasks. And you know, I told you, I was like, I'm building zeal. And I was like, I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I'm just going to every single day put in the work. And for me, it's a meditative state. And I have learned to just enjoy the journey rather than the destination because I'm having fucking fun like and swimming the same thing it's like I'll get these crazy sets and if you look at it you can get very overwhelmed you're like what like that's a lot (laughs) and I was just like okay break it down break it down right small
0: small pieces yeah
1: small pieces and then through that I'm like counting I'm so in the present moment with a small like okay 25 50 75 100 100 okay, repeat five times. Okay, now do that again. Like, you know, like- Right, you break it down. Yeah, I break it down to the smallest things. And I think that's helped me so much in business and anything. And that's why I'm so attracted to the sport because it's such a mental endurance and it can only come from within. As you know, any any goals that you set yourself up for that is not stem from like a very deep rooted place, will not sustain itself. Yeah, it's this in, is a thing.
0: Yeah, intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation, right? If you're doing something because, you know, you have it's, a deep belief about something in yourself, it's going to be a driver. That's why I find it really interesting how your doctor told you something and it actually didn't only strike the extrinsic motivation, but also the int, your int, it kind of woke you up into internally, like, holy shit, if I don't do something, I'm going to die. And it's like, that was the internal motivation. The catalyst. You. Yeah, that was a yeah. catalyst. And it's been like over, it's been a decade, more than a decade now. Is it 15 oh, years now? Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and I'm grateful that I had the experience after I went through puberty and all of that. So it's like I stretched out a lot and I still have like excess weight that I have to like, or like skin, but it's not as bad. Like, but it's like I have to be so mindful because I was like, I have extra fat that I have to be like, you know, like that it's easy for me to just put on weight. Quickly,
0: yeah. You know, I think that's interesting. You know, you're bringing up the skin because I think as men, we don't talk about you know our body image enough. And I, I, you know, I think women are much more comfortable talking about the things that they're insecure about.
1: Yeah, like stretch marks. Body dysmorphia is another thing, though. Like, and I was just explaining this to a friend. It's like having your mindset catch up with your body, and like, yes, the stories that we have around food because. Even as I've like thinned out and like lost a lot of weight, my mind wants to think that I can eat so much more than I can. And like, I'll do cleanses and I'll do fasts just so I can get in touch and in tune with my body to be like, okay, that's enough. You know, like, and I think sometimes when we're eating, we're distracted, whether we're watching TV, we're on Instagram, we're on social, like we're listening to a podcast we forget to tune into our self, our gut and like our intuition. And I feel like it's all interconnected. So if you're not listening and you're overeating, then you're less tapped into your intuition. And it's like the second brain. So for me, fasts are a way to just do a little reset just to get back into your body. And like the act of touching your body of what I told you, it yeah, helps me connect to. the mind, body and spirit of like, Oh, yeah. How do you feel today?
0: Yeah. I think that's really important to get in touch with with our bodies. And what you're saying is so, I mean, it's so alive for me too. I remember when I lost, you know, 100 pounds. And I remember thinking to myself, after I lost 100 pounds, I looked in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I should feel like, you know, that vision of the guy who I thought I would be when I lose 100 pounds. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, no matter what, I don't feel, I still saw myself as somebody who was, you know, morbidly obese. And it took me a long time to get to a place where I actually, I feel, you know, I feel like the guy who lost 130. Do you ever worry about regaining the weight? No, no,
1: I don't. Because I think I know, like, I I share with you my vulnerability of like, I can put on weight easily. But I think that And someone coined a different term, but like with all the reconditioning and like going to the subconscious blueprint and like literally like handpicking and weeding out things that don't serve me and belief systems, it's a continuous process. And you're always finding literally this past week, I was like, oh, I was meditating. And like all these things that came from my inner child that I, I put in a safe box somewhere and not wanting to deal with literally was open. And I was like shown these like, very, very detailed experiences. And I was like, whoa, I thought I processed this. And like, no, it just continues to show up. So I think it's the commit yourself and I am committed to my lifelong transformation. And that's why I love to say transformation is a lifelong journey. You don't get to point B and you're done. I think it's bullshit.
0: Yeah, and I think the way you're looking at it as like every time you get every time you feel an emotion that's difficult to feel and that you process it. and maybe you're only processing a little bit more than last time but you feel it and then you you know you do the self-care rituals that you've established that is the healing and when you feel those things it's just important to realize that's where the, that's where the gold is that's how you know you're you're making the transformation the transformation isn't the weight loss I and mean, we talk about numbers guys how people internalize it but the transformation is the work, is the journey. So, whenever I feel something as well, and I don't want to say whenever because I don't do this all the time, but when I feel uncomfortable emotions, I try to pay. I, I'm like, oh, wow, there it is. Like, great. Thank you for being there. So, I can actually work through this because in the past, you know, 10 years ago for me, I would have been eating, you know, donuts to numb whatever I was feeling because it was so uncomfortable. So, it's about changing our relationship to the things that we're experiencing as opposed to thinking it's going to be a straight line nothing's a straight line. The stock market's not a straight line. Our bodies are not a straight line. There's nothing that is like, and it always goes up and down, up and down, up and down. You make a little progress. You may have a little setback and make a little progress and then you just continue to go at it. But as long as you stay committed to it, it's there and it's available to anybody who decides that this is what they want. Yeah, so beautifully
1: said. Yeah, amen to that.
0: So I want to wrap up with two questions If you thought about your legacy and you were thinking about one piece of your work that you can engrave on the inside of people's brains, something that everybody would take away, what would that be? Compassion. Compassion towards
1: yourself, compassion towards others. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. It's just like not pointing the finger because so much of the times we want to be like, it's something external, but then to recognize that, it's a double sided journey. Right. So it's like how it's so funny. Our relation to our, our relationship with ourselves is our relationships with the world. And so if there's healing, if there's trauma, if there's hurt, we try to reflect that to other people. And then we want to make other people, the bad guys. But sometimes it's like, what did I do to allow this? Mm. Whether it's around boundaries or, around trust if someone else is not trustworthy is it because I'm not fully trusting myself you know like to turn those things around to be like so compassion I think is a beautiful word that I would love to just put out there
0: awesome answer okay so what is one area of your life where you are feeling full in right now
1: creation creativity yeah I feel in flow And again, this goes back to me feeling my best and you should all ask yourself, what does your inner child want? I love creating. And for me, creating is expressing, it's communicating. So if you have an idea, like just to go from a thought into tangible to experience, I love that
0: process. I love that. That's awesome, man. And Anything else you want to share? Any, any any closing words? Where can people find your work? Charles has got an incredible community online of you know health innovators. Just maybe you can tell us all a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. I think last words I want to leave anyone that's listening is you are not alone. And that our stories might feel like it's on a pedestal and like, wow, they've done it all. But like, we are you. And like, If you want to transform and if you commit yourself, you can also transform your life and it's never too late. And just to know to build, create these like environments for success. Us alone can only do so much. So then when you attach your transformation with a community, you have all these people. It's it's like bring this back to like personal training. As I was navigating different chapters of my body and getting comfortable with my body, Why try to figure it out all by yourself? Why not hire a coach? Like why not hire someone's expertise is just that. So for me, I say community because there's so many people in our community with different skill sets and expertise that you you can like ask. And then there's something that you can offer someone else that they're not good at. So like to not feel like you have to do it alone, to feel like you have your community. So then on your off days, There's someone else just cheerleading you on, like, come on, we got this, like run, like you, you know, take it to the finish line. But again, it's a marathon. And just to know that you're not alone, check out Zeal. It's a platform for a bunch of wellness experts and creators, all just showing up to share their gifts. And we amplify their messages, their content through our wellness boxes and through in the future, live events.
0: And in the past. Yeah,
1: yeah. Was, yeah in, in the two past,
0: year, uh, two years ago, there was some live before before COVID. There was a live event.
1: Yes, pre. Yeah. But, and in the future, there's going to be yeah. some live events. But right now, we've been meeting monthly for our monthly master classes, and you just learn from so many different experts. And it's like a safe place. It's completely free. Everyone just shares their knowledge, and you can connect with them afterwards through our community, and ask questions, and connect.
0: And for those of you listening, we'll link it in the show notes, but it's zeal.co. It's Z-Z-E-A-L.co. That's that's where you can find out more about the wellness community and all the ways you can get involved. Yes. Any final words?
1: Final words is choose to show up. Sometimes showing up is the hardest part and going back to self-confidence and making an agreement with yourself. Sometimes that's not about the big goal but just showing up and even though if it's hard there's gonna be days when you're just like oh but you showed up and i acknowledge that so choose to show up and be consistent it's not about just doing it for a week and that's like community helps you show up consistently and accountability
0: yeah 100 those two things are so pivotal to long-term success so awesome man well hey great having this conversation with you great I'm so happy you're here and thanks for sharing everything.
1: Absolutely. That was so easy and so much fun. Let's do it again.
0: That's it for us today, friends. Thanks for listening. Do you know someone who's struggling right now? If they could use some support, please share this episode with them. If you want to keep in touch, subscribe wherever you get your podcast or sign up to my weekly emails at feelingfull.com where I unpack what I'm learning about weight loss and share ways we can all live healthier, more fulfilling lives. Take care, be well, and feel full.